0: Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres. We're here to talk to you with the Hockey Podcast Network.
1: As you all know, the Hockey Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things NHL year-round, featuring podcasts for each team based in their respective local market. Subscribe today.
0: You won't regret it.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And there is a lot going on as we are on the cusp of the start of the Sabres season, with the NHL season kicking off on Wednesday and the Sabres opening up against the Capitals on Thursday. So let's get right to it. Uh, Taylor, it, it, it appeared as though on Tuesday we had a, a moment of a sigh of relief that somebody had knocked the sense into Ralph Kruger about the Jeff Skinner situation. And then today, unsurprisingly, all of our hopes and dreams came crashing back down upon us where now we have Skinner with Curtis Lazar centering him and Rasmus Asplund. What I'm referring to yesterday, though was uh or excuse me well it would be on tuesday now by this point but uh the line combinations that we had had on tuesday that inspired some confidence was jeff skinner skating on the opposite wing of dylan cousins with riley sheehan in the middle that made myself i know you and a lot of other sabers fans feel a lot better that ralph kruger had decided to pair up jeff skinner with another skill player and dylan cousins Seemingly taking two guys whose primary skills in a way kind of offset each other and seem like they would gel very well together. And then now today Kruger pretty much completely reverted on that. uh, And has Skinner with Lazar and Asplund uh, a day before the regular season starts. What do you make of this?
0: Uh, It stinks. (laughs) I don't (laughs) like it. Um, So, it, it's frustrating. And we just talked about this on our, our season preview we did Monday with Anthony from Expected Buffalo. But the Skinner situation is incredibly frustrating for a few reasons. And one of them is this uh, looking at the lines in general, not even just Skinner, it looks like Kruger learned nothing from last season, which is annoying because last season didn't go well. You know, anyway. <laughs> you know, really? anyway, that's like I said. And it wasn't just a talent issue. Yeah, one of the huge issues is that. Uh, Carter Hutton was awful, and that you know cost them a ton of points. And that Pagosian, when that, he was out there, was awful, and that cost them a ton of points. But there were a lot of other issues they could have handled. For example, while they were top 10 and expected goals against, they were second last and expected goals for. Mm-hmm. I believe they were behind Ottawa, I think they're only out of Detroit. Either way, they're in that range, they're awful. They have Jack Eichel on their team. They have Dylan Cousins. They have Jeff Skinner. They have Sam Reinhardt. That they, they don't they shouldn't be top ten probably based on talent, but they shouldn't be that bad either. And there we all saw, and Victor Wolfson I should throw out there. We all saw what happened last year. When Eichel was on the ice, he could make things happen. When he wasn't on the ice, things didn't tend to happen. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Like they solved one of those problems because they didn't have a second center. Boom, they have Eric Saul. Eric Saul can play with Jeff Skinner, right? Wrong. Because another thing. Aside from Jeff Skinner's uh, 2019-20 season being a disaster for you know a myriad reasons, it wasn't just playing with Johansson, who was a fake center, who's a winger-playing center, right. and who didn't gel with him at all. Like, near the end of the year, he was getting dropped to the fourth line. Right. He was playing not many minutes. He was not getting the assignments that someone who makes $9 million a year you think he would be getting. Uh and yeah, he wasn't playing great all of last year. And a lot of people uh, said that he wasn't having a great training camp this year. But I don't think, and I said this last episode, you don't fix this situation by not putting him in a position to succeed. And a position to succeed is not playing with Lazar. It's playing with, just just to give an example here, Sheehan maybe at worst, but realistically, or the Sheehan and Cousins things, whatever. Realistically, it's playing with Stahl.
1: Mm hmm. I know there's, there's no there's, reason to not try it. There's no reason.
0: Yeah. What they're doing now is the opposite of lineup optimization. If you want to say that you can have a good first and second line without Skinner and you can put Skinner on another line and make that a good line and you talk about lineup optimization, it won't Skinner one of as many goals and points, but the team will be better. Sure. That's not this. That's not playing him with like Lazar and Asplund. That's not going to work. Hmm. And I know Oposa might be out to start the year. It seems like. So that's going to throw the lineup into – not even disarray. It's going to just change things a little bit. Uh, but this this is incredibly frustrating because, as we talked about Monday, Skinner's not going to be a uh, top-tier defensive guy. Like He's not. He, I wouldn't go so far to say as he's a liability, but, like, he's not a great defensive player. Kruger wants to play a more defensive style. Fine. You have – two other guys in this team that can create offense the way Skinner can. And all he needs is a little push, maybe a center that not even as great. Someone that covers his defensive issues the way Larson kind of could last year. Mm-hmm. All that's that's all he needs. Only Eichel and Hall are going to create offense better than him. Not even Sam. So figure that out. You're hurting the team to make a point. I don't know what the point is. And look at the rest of the lineup too. I mean, Ristol and McCabe, I'm sorry. I hope when you're listening to this, we're not about to watch them play 25 minutes. But based on everything else I see, I'm not sure why they wouldn't be. But so, Ralph, show us you learned anything from last year. Show us why do you think that team underachieved last year? Why do you think they were 25th? Why do you think they missed
1: the 2014 playoffs? It's so going off, well, yeah. going off of that, a few points here. One, you made a great point last episode that I've been thinking about a lot since uh, since we recorded on, on Sunday, which is Ralph has the demeanor and the decision making, I guess, uh, process of that of a, of a Stanley Cup winning coach who's been in the league for, for 20 years you know, let's remember that like, yeah, he had his stint with Edmonton and don't get me wrong. I mean, he's definitely like accomplished things in his life, I guess. And I'm not trying to discredit his knowledge or experience of the game of hockey, but he has not been an NHL coach for that long. And so for him to come in and like you said, make a point for what I don't really know, other than the fact that it's something that is deliberately harming your team. So I just wanted to point out that I really like that point that you made that Ralph, that his demeanor and the way that he's going about these decisions, it's like, dude, you, you haven't really proved anything. Like, you know, like what, what are you trying to, to show right now? Because if you want to talk about somebody who's proven themselves in the NHL, I mean, look no further than Jeff Skinner. When we talk about Skinner right now, the main thing that we come back to is that $9 million a year contract. Um, Given the events of last season, it is very easy and understandable in a sense to say, yeah, that was a massive overpayment, but you need to look at what we were paying for. Okay. This wasn't like Jeff Skinner came to Buffalo out of nowhere, put up 40 goals. And then we were like, well, here's just $9 million. Jeff Skinner received that contract because of the fact that he has a demonstrated history of being one of the best five on five goal scorers in the league for the past decade. Okay. So I wanted to, I I did a little bit more research on this again, just because these comparisons, I think it it, it puts it into perspective a little bit more. So in Jeff Skinner's 40 goal season in 2018, 19, when he first came over to the Sabres, his, his individual expected goals at five on five placed him sixth in the entire NHL. Okay. The names that followed him immediately from seven to 11 on this list are Crosby, Sagan, Atkinson, Aho, McDavid. Okay. So as I said before, you know, some people will, Oh, you know, it's not as though Jeff Skinner just showed up here and and he did that because then we could just go back a year in 17, 18, he finished third in individual expected goals at five on five at even strength in 2016, 2017, he finished third in 2015, 2016, he finished eighth. And I'll also add that the years that he finished third in 17, 18, it was behind McDavid and Matthews And the year prior. It was behind McDavid and Ovechkin. Okay. So you brought this guy in for a reason. You traded for him for a reason. It's something that you and I, a point that we have beaten to death that the Buffalo Sabres over the past 10 years have not had goal scoring. They just flat out haven't. It has been the main thing that has been keeping them back. It's not about trading Ryan Miller. It's not about playing Rasmus Ristolainen in too many minutes. The main thing that has kept this team back from any kind of success is having continued success at scoring goals, especially at even strength. Okay? So you bring this guy in who is specifically one of the best. Like, you can make the argument that over the past five years, he is in the top ten, easily make this argument. I mean, it's backed up with the numbers like the top one of the top five best goal scorers at five on five. And that's what you paid him for. And at the time, everybody was okay with it because we knew what we were paying for. We knew that he, as you had mentioned, he's not a he's not a defensive player. He is a he could be a liability in in his own zone. Nobody is disputing that. But when you are a franchise that has been snake bitten and plagued by not scoring enough goals for a decade, the thing that has kept you out of the playoffs for a decade, you go out and you get the guy who is elite at doing this. And then you put him in a place where he can't do the thing that he's good at. I mean, what do you expect? You are not only wasting, you're not, it's a, it's a, it's a few things here. One, you're not only wasting the player away. Like you are wasting that $9 million that you invested in him. That is on the books right now. And I'm sorry, but like, if you were going to just try and find somebody, some like third or fourth line player who is going to somehow be able to put up 20 plus goals for you a season, like it's not going to happen. Those players don't grow on trees and that's why they don't have them. So coupling that now $9 million is a lot of money. As we all know, a yearly cap hit for one player being $9 million is a substantial investment in said player. But with that investment, nobody, nobody who is upset about this situation is saying that Skinner needs to be glued to Jack Eichel and playing on the first line and getting 20 plus minutes a night. That's not what the point is here at all. No, no, that would be bad. It would be bad. It would be, it would be absolutely, you know, And, and it's okay. Like it is okay that he is not playing on the first line. Okay. But it is inexcusable. To not at least play him on the third line, at least like in with skill players, too, not burying him with Asplund and Lazar. I mean, you have a guy sitting there in Cousins who. I mean, a big thing for him, like, you're not going to be giving him a high percentage of defensive zone starts. Like, you're going to want to insulate him and play him in the offensive zone. Now, I know Skinner is a liability, but again, as we had talked about before, you get a guy like Sheehan or you get a two-way guy to play in the middle of them to kind of help offset that. Or something that I was thinking about today, like, again, if you're trying to insulate Cousins, move him up the lineup and take Sam Reinhart and move him down. Not only by doing that are you getting a guy who – is one, very good in his own zone and Sam, but also you're getting somebody whose skill set perfectly complements that of Skinner. You know, we keep talking about wanting to give Sam the opportunity to drive his own line and it's, it's in dispute. I mean, I think he can do it. Most, I think, rational, smart hockey people think that that is something that he's capable of. And I have no problem with playing him with Stahl because yeah, they looked good, but like you gotta figure something out with Skinner. So why not rather than, looking to Lazar or Asplund, you know, or even taking it a step further, looking to your rookie first round draft pick to pair him up with, why don't you give him somebody who is a proven player, a proven playmaking threat who is responsible in their own zone and who could set Skinner up for success. I mean, really like, what does, at this point, it's like, what does Jeff Skinner have to prove? that he already has not proven in his career outside of making the playoffs from an individual perspective, what more does this dude have to prove to Ralph Krueger to, to show that he deserves that spot? I, I legitimately don't know.
0: Yeah. So we're probably, gonna, this isn't one of my predictions that we're about to do, but we're going to be talking about Jeff Skinner a lot this year, I oh. imagine, and his usage, a couple other things with the uh, the team going into the season, one, uh, as we kind of thought might happen, our Ristali- two Rootsalainen is uh, going to Rochester to start the year. Frustrating, as we mentioned. Uh, they could have just not signed either Reeder or Eakin and had him instead. Whatever. Uh, don't really need Lazar. I mean, I'd rather – I know what Sheehan is. He seems fine, but I don't know. I think I'd rather
1: give Rootsalainen a shot. Whatever. That's where he's going. 2.5 or 2.25 or whatever million in Cody Eakin.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing is that, I mean, Asplund could just as easily go down and Asplund didn't show anything last year that I really mm-hmm. thought, you know, he's the perfect guy for Cougar to have there because he's a total zero in the offensive zone. And that matters. Like mm-hmm. you, like someone like, he doesn't have to be Larson, obviously someone like Larson can be something in the offensive zone, competent, capable. I mean, they, they didn't score at a bad rate at five on five, like per minute. Mm-hmm. last year, the log line. You know, like someone like Asplund seems like a guy that's great at defense. I'm pretty unconvinced of that. But I mean Kruger seems I guess convinced
1: of it because he's playing. But doesn't it but that brings up a greater point though of his ability to identify competent defensive forwards.
0: Yes. Uh yeah that's well that could be a problem because I, I just was thinking about I tweeted about this today. If Eakin, Eakin has not been good, a, a good defensive player. Like, I think a lot of people have that idea in their head. Uh, and if you're, if you want to defend the signing anyway, you'd have to be. He had like a 20 goal season a couple of years ago. I have but actually, that's
1: in the past. I have some, I have some numbers on Eakin actually. Oh, okay. Share. Is that cool if I, if I jump? Oh in? yeah. But, yeah, go ahead. So one of the things that I also was thinking about a lot, again, just with the season kicking off is, you know, what it was that they saw in Cody Eakin that made them feel like he could be a good fit on this team or contribute. Now, for one, I think it's just like a fallacy that like pretty much any over the any over the hill forward, I feel like in the NHL, the people automatically like assume like oh well they'll be good in the in their own defensive zone, which as you had said before is provably um, false,
0: Probably false, sabaka, like, sabaka trash.
1: Yeah, exact exactly. So the other side of that coin though that I've seen. Taylor, I even saw people today on Twitter. And when I say people, I'm saying, you know, like what it's in mentions and stuff like that. Nobody like really like super notable whose opinion I take a lot of stock in. But people saying, well, Cody Eakin scored 20 goals like two seasons ago, like he's only two years removed from that. So I went on natural stat, natural stat, and I, I did a little bit of research. And between that and then hockey reference. I had some, some pretty interesting numbers that I found specifically about Eakin and this like 2018, 19 season, which is totally proven to be just an outlier of all outliers. So Cody Eakin has been in the league since, uh, I believe 2011 or 2012 or 2012, 2013 in that time in seasons where he has played more than 30 games. Only once in his career has he been on the ice for more goals, goals for than goals against. And the only time that that happened was in 2018, 2019. The only time in his career. Okay. So you're thinking that, oh, well, okay, that's a good thing then. Well, I'm, you know, like that was only, he's only two years removed from, from those kind of contributions. And to be honest, in my mind, 2018, 2019, like scoring 22 goals, going 22, 19, and 41 is the only reason why that dude, got the contract that he got this year. The fact of the matter is though, is that when you, this isn't even like going like that deep into analytics, his, his shooting percentage that season was 18.3%. 18.3% yeah. shooting for it's, a guy who is not a shooting threat. Like what were you going to say there?
0: That's it's the obvious thing. Every, anytime someone who's not that skilled, in the middle of their career has a season where it's like, whoa, look at how many goals they have. Mm-hmm. And then they go right back down to not having that many goals. This is a shooting percentage every time right. it's luck. Right. And then the I only mean, last, this point- doesn't happen in other sports usually like this doesn't oh. happen. No one in the NBA. is like, wow, do you believe that? Like in the middle of his career, Taj Gibson averaged 26 points a game. So it, never,
1: <laughs> it would never happen. No, 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 no. And uh, the last one I want to make, just bringing it back to the possession, the possession numbers is uh, the last time that, Cody Eakin had a Corsi 4 percentage above 50% was 2013, 2014 when he was with Dallas and only in his third year in the league. The only time he has had a positive Corsi 4 percentage, like above 50%. I mean, wh- what are you expecting to get out of this guy? He is clearly not Johan Larson. The, the thing, like, you could say, like, oh, well, like, Johan Larson never put up 22, goals. but again, we disproved that. And then beyond that, it's like the defensive numbers. Are not and have never been there at right. all. Yeah. So I yep, don't know. That's what a problem. Ralph is thinking with 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 this, but w- I'm worried. I, I I am. I know in my, in our season previews we had them coming in fifth and sixth, respectively. Um, you know, in the in the division this year. But like, I I'm worried. I don't know. I I'm I'm not gonna jump off ship yet, just because of the fact that like I do think that the hall and stall additions are significant enough to overcome, not changing the defense or the goalies at all. Like you're essentially icing the same team, except adding these two good guys. I mean, yeah, losing Larson definitely is tough, but you're adding a lot of firepower up front. So I think that's going to make up for some of those shortcomings, but I mean, outside of that, where is this team going to be at the end of February? Like, Mm. We will see. It's so nerve wracking. Yeah.
0: So, another interesting thing is the Sabres' uh, Jack Quinn usage. So, for those who might not have seen or maybe haven't been paying too much uh, close attention yet, this is going to be a different, a bit of a different year, uh, especially the start of the season. So, you have your normal guys you keep, you have your 20 guys you can play. I think three can go in the press box and then you have a thing called a taxi squad, which the MLB employed this year, since they didn't have minor league baseball, this is going to be a little bit different than the MLB's thing though. Cause there will be minor league hockey. I think you're going to have like five or six guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they basically will practice with the team and they can be added to the lineup or the active roster before 5. PM on any game day, or I mean that because, I mean, it must be like, if that's a 7 PM game, cause I'm sure it'll be afternoon games. So whatever, two hours before the game. Uh, so there's, there's a few guys that aren't going to be in Rochester when the AHL season starts in the, f- the second week of February, but they also won't be like in the press box or playing for the Sabres. Uh, Jack Quinn is not with them. The other weird wrinkle is the OHL season uh, plan is not 100% finalized yet, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So there's no real way like, where to send them. So if you remember correctly, uh, if you are like an 18 or 19-year-old and you are drafted from uh, anywhere in the chl in canada that you have to in your first two years either play on the nhl team or for your junior team they only lend you to go to the nhl you can't be sent to the a so it leads to a lot of situations where like guys are too good for one but not good enough for the other uh grigorenko for mm-hmm. example mm-hmm. in this situation it was a very clear send him to the to juniors he needs time thing especially after uh, a lot of people thought he didn't look all that great at world juniors but that's not that's not something they can do right away, and if there's no OHL season, then that opens the possibility, potentially, to some of the AHL, which, again, is not playing for a month, but they're not doing either of those. Right now, he is not on their taxi squad either, and he's not in their starting lineup. He seems to be a press box guy for now, so is this just a, a case of them
1: having no idea what to do? I think that's 100% what's happening. <laughs> um I, I mean, where to even start, you know, immediately as we're talking about this and before you even said his name, you know, my initial thought was Grigorenko because of the fact that I remembered very clearly, you know, training camp with him and and the preseason scrimmages. I I went to them his rookie year. I was all on the train, like very naively, I should say. Um, And he looked great. His creativity that he had, you know, like in, just his his raw ability just looked so good in a practice setting and then when it came time for him to play into the play in the nhl right away he wasn't ready um and the thing is is like with quinn there is not even a shadow of a doubt that he is that he might be ready like this guy is not ready to play in the nhl right now at all no I mean, I think the thing also that's pretty telling to me too. With the, like, look no further, look out west. Uh, you know who got sent down to the AHL in over the past 48 hours? Quinton Byfield. Uh, yeah. You know who else did? It? Trevor zegris who just lit it up at the World Juniors. Um, you know, so, so why aren't the Sabres doing do- that? What's
0: that? Why aren't the Sabres just doing that? If you I can do that for not- now until the OHL gets figured out. Like those guys, if they if they're going to have to go to the OHL if the OHL season does ever start.
1: Right. right? I mean, dude, if they're if if those two guys are on the Sabers, like they're if they were like in the Sabers organization, they would they would like be on the team right now. But for their respective organizations, sure. Like they like they even sent them down, and so I mean, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm sure what we will get is their typical we think it would be good for him to be around the guys in the room and get some experience, like with what, you know, like day-to-day life is like in the league. But like my whole thing is that, like, how much is he really going to benefit from that versus the alternative, which is sending him down? Like how much is he going to get out of being in the press box? Because you're not going to play him in games. I'd be shocked if he plays any games. Um, They'd use a taxi squad guy over him. I think I'd have to say, Oh, Come on. Are you kidding me? If you were to ask me who I felt more comfortable with playing in a game, if it was between like Quinn and Rasmus Asplund, like it'd be Asplund. No doubt. I, like Quinn is, he, he's just not ready. I mean, what I, would it be exciting to see him? Like, yeah, for sure. Don't get me wrong. Like he's the first round pick top 10 pick. Like, of course, but you got to know what you have here. And even though he looks good, it makes me seriously wonder what their, plan is for him. I mean I know that there's no like perfect answers with this just given the state of COVID, but I i, I don't know. I mean what do you think? Like how, how do you how do you feel about it?
0: I, I think it's very strange. So you mentioned like Zagris and Byfield there. But so the OHL season they have a plan, I believe, that it's like to start training camp in two weeks, but I don't think it's approved by the Canadian government yet. Mm-mm. Last I heard. Nope. So if they do get approval, Zagris and Byfield
1: are gonna have to go there, right? Zagris won't because Zagris isn't an OHL guy. Oh, okay. Zag- so Zagris is, is uh, college hockey. So he. Oh, right. So he could go to the AHL. He could stay, he could stay yeah. in the A. But Byfield, though, would. Yeah, because Byfield plays for Sudbury. So- but he would probably just go to the NHL i mean i would assume he would yeah yeah i I would think like i mean he's so good like i I would think he would be ready especially like if right i don't don't know i just think his like build and everything and and just his style of player would would fit well i mean if if tim stutzel is is playing in the nhl i think byfield could too not that there's anything against stutzel but like byfield is gonna be that dude like he's gonna be great um so i i really don't know I, i have no idea i mean very strange it's well, very, I, very i guess
0: strange. maybe maybe if it's like you said that they could just do that since they have the op, like they have the the bumper of the taxi squad just like that buffer of having like six other guys you can have if you need if someone gets hurt or whatever i don't know it's strange though because i guess their thought is he's not playing hockey anywhere he's not playing games anywhere for at least a month
1: no and i that's the it, even in it, like Rap yeah has Ralph, like Ralph even spoke about it today. And like, I don't, but, and I could be wrong. If you guys are listening to this right now and you made sense of what Ralph was trying to say today about what Quinn is going to do, like definitely like tweeted at us at straight up say or straight sabers and, and let us know or comment on Facebook or Instagram. But John Vogel had uh, Ralph, his tweet Vogel's tweet from today. It was around one twelve today on the 13th. If anybody wants to go back and find it themselves, it's and i quote ralph krueger says jack quinn skated with the taxi squad quote where we will have him positioned eventually where we will have i mean like what do you i don't understand that i don't why either. wouldn't they
0: just do it now then that's what i mean like what do you there's no real benefit to doing one or the other i guess it makes sense like to it doesn't really matter if they wait it out and they're like oh he uh like the OHL season's not happening. He can go to Rochester now, but that's going to be weird then too, because
1: then he won't have practice with Rochester. Right. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it, I guess, yeah. Cause then you're sending him down there and you're, you're taking him out of the situation that you could be giving him right now. You know, I, I guess that's the thing is like the, what, what is our end game here? Like, is yeah. he going to play in Buffalo at all this season? I think that that answer is a resounding no. Like he's not. Yeah. I mean, I don't think so. So that's a great point. Like, if if your reasoning for keeping him in Buffalo is to keep him around in NHL environment, then why wouldn't you send him to the potential environment that he has a chance of spending the entire season in? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's a tough situation because they have no idea what's going to happen with junior hockey. No. But one, one more thing, should Middlestack go to the AHL
1: I don't know, man. I, if, he,
0: if they're just going to stick him on the taxi squad, you might as I well play know. him in games. I don't know. Maybe they think it's not worth it, but I mean, it's I'm, CHL. Yeah. Give him another chance to do- play games. I think they should. Well, we'll see. I don't want to get into middle stat. Yeah, let's give that I up. was going to say, with
1: this, that, that's a whole other can of worms because the middle stat conversation, I feel like, opens up a much greater conversation about the Sabres, really under the entire, like, Pagula regime, which is like, how many times has it happened where they have a guy and it gets to a year where it's like, okay, this is where we got to really figure out what this guy is. And then that just, they just keep kicking it to the curb. You know, like, I feel yeah. like that's, what's happening right now with like, Will Borgen, like y- you got to find out if this guy is going to be able to play in the NHL. It seems like he can, it seems like he could give you like something that you need on the back end. Um, yeah. And I think he's on the taxi squad, but like, you got to see what you, you have to figure he it is. out. I, I, is this yeah. guy going to be a part of the plan? And it especially holds true in middle stats case, because again, we're talking about a top 10 pick here and you're going to have to figure it out if he can turn it around. I mean, I am, I'm firmly off the train. I think as last year was going on, I was a more optimistic than you were that he could figure it out. But like I, it just seems like they don't have a plan for him to put him in a good position to succeed at all, and so my faith is is pretty much at zero right now.
0: Yeah, we'll get more into him later, I guess. We'll yeah, figure. We'll yeah. see what they actually do with him. One more thing, uh, to yeah. the joy of American hockey fans all around, it was announced this week that Mike Milbury, long-term commentator, oh. uh, studio show uh, analyst for NBC Sports, will not be returning. Uh, ostensibly because of some remarks that I forgot all about that he made in the bubble about women not being there. Uh, I think also it could be that no one who has ever watched NBC's intermission show has ever enjoyed him. He's boorish and boring and stupid and not funny. And he, the game completely passed him by. Like there'll be some comparisons because Don Cherry also within the last year, year and a half was let go. Don Cherry, at least for a while, was entertaining was a show and also
1: also like had success too like yeah when he was actually in the like, at, like <laughs> he was a successful was a coach. coach
0: yeah yeah that's true Billberry what was what like about a, Bill what about him in like the, the worst gm ever <laughs> yeah like, um,
1: like this awful. is this is who's yeah right like that a, a like, completely like, you know, dull shithead <laughs> okay that actually is a much better way to end it with oh <laughs> uh, hey, but can I actually quickly before we get into the next segment what do you make of mccabe and opozo being named assistant captains
0: um I guess that must be in the room stuff. That's I
1: we mean respect for Sam Reinhardt
0: Yeah, I don't He's know. He's been there
1: with forever, that... man. He deserves it. I, I'm I'm hasn't so...
0: Reinhart been there longer than McCabe? Yes, and
1: a Pozo. Oh, and a Pozo, definitely. He's been there longer than both of them. And yeah, I mean, well, people must a really a respect last... them. When when Johansson and McCabe were out last year, he wore an A. But it's like I, I mean, I don't know. What more does the guy have to do? Like he's well, post those out now. So maybe he will wear an A. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he'll, he'll roll out with it tomorrow or maybe yep. he rest the line and I'll get it or something.
0: One more NBC sports thing. Go. Um, so as we might remember, or maybe not, Jeremy Roenick also doesn't work there anymore. Be- also because of kind of weird remarks he made about Catherine Tappen. Uh Doc Emmerich doesn't work there anymore because he retired. And Mike Babcock does work. Matt, mike babcock that is mike babcock he does work there seemingly replacing milbury uh another gruff mean mike uh this one who did have success in the nhl probably should be said that he was, well he was fired for job performance last year and about, psychological
1: uh, 14 abuse
0: 14 <laughs> months ago well that just came out later that's not actually why he got well, fired. not why
1: he got fired but yeah yeah
0: but it led to a, a like an interesting thing like little run in the NHL that kind of got swallowed whole by COVID, but there was a run of talking about coaches who had, you know, are psychologically abusive or had said things that like it led to multiple firings it meant to Peter's getting fired in Calgary. It led to, uh, man, I'm not I'm forgetting the guy's name. I believe he got fired from his AHL job. He was, t- he was a guy that talked about going to rehab and stuff. Uh, I don't Dallas, Not Dallas's coach. No, 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 no not that's Carolina? jim montgomery no no no. it wasn't it wasn't an nhl coach
1: yeah no. it was uh it was a guy like an affiliate
0: yeah it was an ahl coach who was accused of like kicking players anyway yeah i, I know, know what you're I talking
1: was. about I know whatever
0: It what led I- to a bunch of that stuff so babcock is gonna be on tv just as a reminder uh he like told mitch marner to list who he thought his laziest teammates were his rookie year in what was he told to be a private exercise just for Babcock's benefit and then told those players, Tyler Bolzak and Nazem Kadri, I believe, I so. Uh told those guys that, which is very weird. And he told them that Marner's the one who said it. Additionally, Johan Franzen, who he coached in Detroit, said that he dreaded going to the rink every day, said he had a mental breakdown because he wouldn't stop screaming at him on the bench differently. There's a ton. They look into that and NBC Sports was asked their uh, one of their executive producers was asked by Greg Wisinski of ESPN about all this and they were basically like yeah we like we talk about this with everyone we hire some dumb like can statement like that's that's a, something to look into like we all NBC Sports's NHL broadcast is the worst broadcast in sports the worst national broadcast yes it's not even close uh no one no one comes close to it it's awful that contract
1: needs to end all sweet. the way around
0: yeah it, it is it is ending hopefully it doesn't get renewed That's uh sweet. so like doc emmerich was probably the best part of it no matter how you feel about him he was pretty talented the other guys around like the best you can say for a lot of these guys is they're boring keith jones eddie Olczyk, they don't really add much they're fine no. uh, patrick sharp added something a little bit kevin weeks at least yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah he definitely adds that kevin weeks is good on tv but you know, I think this was a good opportunity to turn the page to, to fire Pierre McGuire as well, who uh, another guy no hockey fan in the world enjoys watching, and I, th- I think they dropped the ball here <laughs> I th-
1: massively. I think yeah, massively. I the
0: think- other thing is he's not going to be entertaining. He's another guy like Milbury. He's he's dull. He doesn't say anything interesting. The way his demeanor isn't interesting. The way he talks isn't interesting. Whatever. I yeah.
1: oh yeah, but that's the thing. The and and oh my god. It, the... It's maddening thinking about that, that, that comment that was just pretty much brushing it off to the side, like, Oh, well we review this in all of our interviews. The the thing for me, it's Babcock. It's, it's in any industry where people who have shown some history of abuse, get their careers rehabilitated. Like it is so easy to just not hire somebody. It's just so easy. Like you could have hired anybody else besides Mike Babcock, like, all the things that you said are a hundred percent true when it comes to his personality, how he's going to be like on TV. I mean, I'm, I don't think anybody in their right mind is expecting him to skit in front of a camera and then he's immediately going to turn into this charming, charismatic like guy, but like, it, it is so easy to avoid the backlash in these situations by not doing the thing and taking that even a step further. It truly makes me wonder just like, whether it's a board of governors or it's a public relations manager who is like, you know what, this would be a good, we should do this because you can't tell me that like you're not having somebody step in and say like, Hey, there's going to be some pushback from this, like talent aside, like is this somebody who we want to align ourselves with? And somehow it just repeatedly happens where these like people who are, are proven to be bad people, or you know people sure have a propensity for change but like they people who do really bad things who should not get further opportunities compared to other people who are out there somehow they just have the ability to always come back into the mix and like this was such an easy easy situation where not like it's fairly recent still again talking about this guy's personality it's not like you're expecting him to be some like tv dynamo And, and it's the level of what he actually was doing, and the reports of what he was doing. Uh, it, it was just the perfect recipe for them to be like, you know what? Let's go in a different direction, and they just still went forward with it. It, it, it makes no sense to me. Horrible, Very hire, stupid, and dumb that they didn't fire Pierre either. I've never met one person who's been like, oh, I kind of like him. Like nobody, nobody.
0: I. The funny thing is, I don't think his colleagues like him, and I don't th- like Eddie Olczyk seems to hate him during. Mm-hmm. If you watch during games, Pierre. Never gets really any kind of response or banter from Eddie Olczyk, even if he directly addresses him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: at the same time, on his behalf, it seems like everyone who played for him in his brief time as a coach hated him, too, <laughs> so or didn't respect him. And every time he interviews for a job, he doesn't get it. So just some things to ponder.
1: Let me ask um, you this, Taylor, on a, a quick like related note. Outside of ESPN, is there any other networks that you could think of that the NHL should try and pursue to get like the next hockey contract, the TV deal? No, and I do. For the record, I'm fine do. with it going back to ESPN too. I just want to say.
0: Yeah, yeah i uh, i don't I don't think so. So, I, any hockey contract looking going forward is going to have like a different feel or setup just because the way we watch TV is different now. Like, for example, they already have a deal with ESPN. ESPN broadcasts some of their games on espn plus by some i mean like a bunch of them um so like maybe they'll do a multi-network deal this time but i'm i have struggled to think about another network that has room for this like is cbs making room like like in in place of like ncis topeka <laughs> like or something like that like they like do they want to get rid of those and go back to like we because they don't really do weekday sports CBS has March Madness. It has golf. but Those are really weekend things. It has the NFL, which is a weekend thing. So I don't know. I don't know if they would be in- that interested. Uh, ABC is ESPN. So you have to think like, are they like in their, in really their hockey games, they're not going to go on two, four, and seven, mm-hmm. you know, channel wise, that's ABC, NBC and CBS, they would be going on secondary channels. So would they be going like, would CBS be like, okay, we will do this. We'll put only big like Sunday games, the, ge- the kind of game they'll go at NBC at 1 PM now would go cbs one game on a sunday not during football season so like and the rest of their games would go on like tnt and tbs which i think cbs either is partnership with their owns because that's where their ncaa tournament games go. <laughs> or would they go on like true tv and we'd have another stupid thing true like TV, that
1: oh my god
0: see you kind of get what <laughs> no i'm saying man, I, like, nbc it, sports is kind of the best setup for the nhl it's just that they're not very good at
1: you know, they literally it. need to like start from scratch pretty much.
0: Yeah. And they also don't show any NHL stuff any the other time to like build interest, like any like the way NHL network does, which I don't get. And I don't think a lot of people get no cable wise anymore. Like, oh, top 10 lists. So remember this old games. It's like how many people are really watching these truck shows you're always showing
1: or like motorcycle racing.
0: Yeah. Or like second tier golf.
1: Right. Right. Or I like don't know. Extreme fishing
0: yeah so i think it's going to be nbc with like maybe an expanded deal with espn plus or maybe some other streaming stuff in america that'll be their yeah. american deal i don't know We it's going to be an interesting thing because it's i think it's up after next season
1: right right so
0: anyway we got some predictions for you this probably shouldn't take too long we got five yeah. each
1: yeah we did this lat. we did this exercise that had a last season where i think last year we did 10 each um but taylor and i both we didn't tell each other what we were going to have our predictions be. So this is going to be a surprise for us both, but we each came up with five predictions for the season. You know, doesn't have to be optimistic. It can be optimistic, whatever we wanted. So Taylor, you want to go ahead and run through your five first? Yeah. Should I just go through all five? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, go through your five, but yeah, take them one by one and, and talk about them a little bit.
0: All right, I went three optimistic. We'll get those out of the way first, and then two that are more pessimistic. So my first one is Eichel gets seventy points. So got to readjust expectations because wow. there's a, it's a fifty-six game season. Yeah, this would put him on more than a one hundred point pace, I believe, which I thought would be nice for him to do at some point. You know, if he doesn't miss ten games or have a pandemic, create two consecutive shortened seasons. Unfortunately, he hasn't been so lucky yet. So I think he's going to play great. Uh, looking at the line, uh, Cage is a downgrade on Olofsson in all likelihood, unless Tage has made some big improvements, but Taylor Hall is a pretty big upgrade on Sam Reinhardt. And I think that'll lead to good outcomes for Eichel. Like we've noted in the past, Sam Reinhardt actually has been as good for Eichel as Eichel is for Reinhardt, but Taylor Hall is a former MVP. So you should expect more in that regard. And I think you'll have a lot of points for both of them and Tage will be the beneficiary should he be able to keep up with them. Uh, My second one is that Rasmus Darlene plays like a number one defenseman, regardless of how many minutes he gets. This is another optimistic one, but I liked how Darlene bounced back last year. Obviously, he's a great pedigree as a first overall pick, and this will come down to partially if Ralph has learned his lesson and isn't insisting on being like defense, 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 and allows Darlene to carry the puck, which he's very good at, which he could be one of the best in the league at if he uh, keeps improving the way he should. He's only 20, so... Hopefully we see even more improvement in that regard. Number three is Dylan Cousins gets the 30 points, which would be I think a big accomplishment. It I would that be too. like it would be like getting in the mid 40s. And Cousins, I don't think he's gonna blow people away. I don't he won't be playing top six minutes, but he seems like a good, consistent all-around player, kind of guy with not too many weaknesses. And 30 points is a good goal for him to shoot for. I mean, that's it's just a nice round number. Uh okay, let's get let's get mad now. Number four, we're as sick as Cody. We're as sick of Cody Eakin as we are of Ristolainen by the end of the season.
1: <laughs> wow,
0: um, I know that's drastic. That might be overstating it. Yeah, well, think at the beginning of last year we weren't the most mad at Ristolainen. We were the most mad at Zabaka, Mm-hmm. depending on who you are. But if you're me and Brendan, that's who you're mad at. Cody Eakin, I think, has a chance. I don't think he'll be as bad as Sabotka, but he could be. I think he has a chance to be incredibly frustrating, especially if they're sticking talented players with him, especially if they're not benching him or if he's not facing consequences for poor poor play the way Skinner has and the way you know more talented players tend to instead of plugs. Uh, if he's really bad on both ends, I think that could get really frustrating. I think he's someone Sabres fans are going to be uh, not appreciative of, not appreciative of. Uh, my last prediction is, with my, with the prediction I made on last episode on Monday's show, the Sabres will finish sixth. I want to go with this too. They will be a better sixth than they were last year. And we're going to be mad about how that will play out with other divisions. So like this playoff format they're doing now is not dissimilar to the old NHL playoff format pre, like, I don't know, whenever expansion was early nineties. So throughout the eighties, it, every division had either six, or five. I, don't, I think every division had five teams and one had six and four of the teams would make the playoffs, which is yes, 16 of 21 teams made the playoffs in the NHL. It's a real thing um, that really happened. And then it was 16 of 24 for a little while. Every division had six teams, um, but you would be able to look at the other divisions and be like, oh, my team is in fourth place and had like 50 points, which happens sometimes and made the playoffs. And yet this team that pretty good didn't this is different because you're only playing teams in your division the entire year which stinks i don't like that but it's a necessary evil to deal with covid um so we're going to be like speculating a lot being like we're better than winnipeg no way to prove that but we're better than winnipeg for example and they got the fourth spot we're better than minnesota they got the fourth spot this is going to be the best the east division is not the best division I don't know. Maybe it is. It's just the deepest division. It only has one team that I'm sure is bad as real up and comer in New York it has the Sabres. There's a bunch of teams that like, they could be, could be bad. They could fall off. They're a little bit worse than last year. Whoever's in first won't deserve to be a division winner, but whoever is fifth probably won't deserve to miss the playoffs and they will miss the playoffs. So I think there's going to be a lot of us and also potentially Islanders fans looking around the league going like you got lucky to some other teams And that'll be incredibly annoying given that we're on like, you know, decade long playoff drought here. (laughs) So that's, that's what, that's what I'm thinking for the season. Uh, What are you
1: thinking? I like those a lot. Those are all, that's a a mix. So I, uh, I I went with four optimistic, but then a fifth one to really bring us back down to earth. Okay. Um, So, As I had mentioned before there, I had one that was similar with you where I have Dylan Cousins goes for 30 points. However, I specifically broke that down that I think that he will either get close to or hit 15, 15, 30. I don't think that you're going to see with him – um, you know, like uh a 10 goal, 20 assist kind of season. I think that his breakdown of goals and assists will be a little bit closer. Um, that's kind of how his career has. I mean, granted, it's just in the OHL and he's lighting it up, but that's how his career kind of has been. He had I think his draft year, he had like maybe like 15 more assists than goals, but like last season he only had, I think, like seven more the year prior to his draft year. I think he was right around even. So I think he's going to stick with – I think he'll go like 15, 15, 30. Um, Two different ones that I have now. My second that I have here, uh, as you had mentioned before, Tage Thompson now skating on the top line with Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall. I think – and I think a lot of people think that Tage is right on the cusp of actually being able to be a contributor, and I think that if he is a contributor, it will – make a huge difference um, and that it's not just going to be Jack and, and and Hall carrying him around that I think he, he can contribute. And so I'm going to say that Tage Thompson is going to score 15 goals this season. If he remains healthy and within a top nine role um, that number, I think all things considered like 15 goals for Tage putting that to a full season would be above a 20 goal pace, which anybody who, if you told somebody a year ago that Tage this season would be able to score 20 goals. I think that you would take that a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. Number three, a little bit more subjective rather than getting like specific with numbers, but Sam Reinhardt definitively proves that he can drive his own line and that he does not need to be with Jack Geichel to be an effective NHL. Like top half forward. Um, So far right now, he's been skating with stall all reports back from that. Uh, Granted, of course, this is just the, the, you know, I guess the preseason air quotes. Um, So we have to take it with a grain of salt, but he's looked good with stall. I expect that he's going to get moved around maybe to that third line role to better balance out the scoring at some point or another. Maybe he gets put with Skinner again. Maybe he plays with cousins at some point, but I think that, we will know without a shadow of a doubt at the end of this season, we will all be able to look back and say, Sam Reinhart can drive his own line and he should continue to do that moving forward. Number four that I have kind of in line with what you had before about Darlene, but I went a little bit more specific this time around. He's going to go for 40 points this year. I Mm. think that that is a very aggressive goal for him to reach. Granted again, that is a 56 game season. But again, if you're one going to give him uh, more minutes and you're going to give him true number one minutes, as you had talked about, I think that he's going to be an effective contributor on five on five, but also I think that he's going to hit 40 points because of the vast improvement to the power play. And by vast improvement, I mean, having Taylor Hall, I think having <laughs> Michael Hall, Olafson, Reinhardt and Darlene, that is like not even in terms of like recent sabers history good like the entire current nhl landscape that has the potential to be a really really good like top 10 i'm expecting out of that power play unit especially also considering that your second unit now that it's looking like it's going to be uh tage stall skinner um, cousins and I believe uh, Ristolainen or Miller so now you actually have a little bit of depth on your power play as well not just having to rely on the first unit but I think that they should and will lean hard on them so I think that that's going to ultimately Dalian is just going to rack up a, a good amount of power play points this this time around you look confused what? No, no I agree. Oh cool uh, <laughs> and then finally a lot of optimism there those first four points lot of optimism. Me thinking that the Sabres are going to come in fifth this year in the division. A lot of optimism. I'm going to bring it right back down to earth here with where we all are at right now, you and I specifically, and I feel like most Sabres fans listening right now who are like-minded as us, we will all by the end of the season feel the exact same way about Ralph Kruger as we do right now. I think that if the Sabres make the playoffs it will be not because Ralph realized the error in his ways and, and saw the light a la, you know, Sean McDermott. I think it's going to be in spite of him. I think it's going to be because the, I think the only way that this team is going to have sex is, six, is going to have success the <laughs> If only, they start listening to Kyle O'Posso more They need O'Pozo. The only way this team is having sex is so if he has Kyle Oposo is getting line one minutes every night, <laughs> just putting it away. Um, but the only way that this team is going to have success though, is by just being lights out scoring, um, just outscoring teams because their defense, not that great considering it wasn't great last year and you're bringing everybody back and the same can especially be said of the goalies. So I think that there's going to be, Repeated moments where fans are going to be bashing their heads against the wall, wondering why Ralph didn't do the seemingly obvious thing, whether that's scaling back Ristolainen's minutes, putting Jeff Skinner in a, in a place to succeed, um, having something that also we saw a bit last year where he'll try a line out for like a period or two, and then he just completely reverts back from it. So I, I think that my faith in Kruger from – a year ago to now has just took a nosedive because I was all aboard the hype train and he, he talked his way into my heart and it was messed up that I, I allowed him to do that. I think a lot of us did because he, I mean, it's not a high bar to be, I guess, a better public speaker than Phil Housley and Dan Bilesma, but like Kruger was good with words. And then we soon found out that he was not good with hockey. So I think uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in him and I will say, Come May, when the season ends, we will all probably be calling for Ralph Kruger's head. And eventually, who knows, maybe it'll be this season, maybe it'll be next, but he will get that nice little transition to escape the heat. Rather than being fired, he will be relieved of his duties and elevated to a front office position. At which point, we will firmly fire up the Ricard Gronberg train, get him over here from Sweden, make it happen. I want him to be the next coach of the Sabres. Give me a guy who actually believes in analytics, who actually believes in numbers and makes informed decisions. Something that Ralph Kruger does not do. He does not make informed decisions. Yeah, I mean anyway. Yeah.
0: I think I'm gonna have plenty of time to complain about Kruger this year. Oh so yeah. So we'll do that later. How about a
1: quiz? I would love to. Let's get after it. What do we got?
0: All right. So you know, this early NHL season, as we're speaking, it's it's uh it's underway hockey games are happening right now the current
1: I actually, uh, as a report i don't know what the score of the game is but my friend kev who i know listens to the show uh who we actually grew up and went to high school with uh he just texted me pittsburgh is going to be bad so i'm mm. assuming the penguins are not looking good right now
0: they lost six to three but what i was so part okay, of that well there though, you go <laughs> uh the philadelphia's current leading school scorer is joel farabee who had four points tonight uh, he's also the league's leading scorer because of that, because that was the first game of the year. Uh, and Jonathan Drewin is Montreal's leading scorer with two points in the first period against Toronto. So that probably won't last on either count. It's a long season, even though this is shorter than usual season. Mm-hmm. So I want to think back to last year's leading scorers for each okay. team. So, can you name every team's leading scorer from last year? Holy Jesus.
1: Okay, Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel. All
0: right, wait, hold on. We're going to go in order. order, (laughs) I I have it written down.
1: Okay, okay. Uh,
0: You have that right, though, so we'll count that. All right, Boston.
1: David Pasternak.
0: That's right, with 95 points. Tampa Bay.
1: Hmm. Was this Pointer Kucherov? Kucherov.
0: That's right. With 85 points, Toronto,
1: Austin Matthews. That's
0: right. With 80 points, Florida,
1: Alex Barkov.
0: No, that's Jonathan Huberto Huberto. 78
1: points. I feel like it should be a rule for this show that anytime there is a question about the Florida Panthers and you think the answer is Barkov just answer Huberdeau it could be who it could be anything it could be who's the captain and just say Huberdeau and i will and you will be right cuz i feel like that's the third time
0: yeah. in
1: the 10 episodes that we've had this season that there's been a question <laughs> about the Panthers and i've guessed Barkov and it's been Huberdeau so i knew it <laughs> man all right montreal oh, sorry for that outburst montreal um uh boy. Um, ooh. Is this a tough one? Is this a, a non-traditional, a, somebody I'd not expect? I don't know. Who would you expect to, to lead Montreal in points? <laughs> you know? Well, I have some names in mind. I mean, but I'm not going to say, I'm just going to go for one and say. Ooh, actually, wait, was it Philip Deneau? No. Damn it. Was it.
0: Th- Thomas Tatar with 68. Tatar! ah. Oh. All right, so you already got Eichel. Well, uh, and that. then Ottawa.
1: Ottawa. Conventional wisdom leads me to just say Brady Kachuk. That's right, with 44 points. Yikes.
0: Not a great scoring year for the Sens. Not great. All right, Detroit. Mm. good year for i, I want to
1: say I, what's that good year for them oh <laughs> they did great i want to say larkin but i feel like he might have been hurt last year so i don't know because if it's not larkin i would think maybe somebody like mantha um i'm just gonna say larkin is it that's right. With 53 points. Cool. Do you know who's second by chance or no?
0: No. When I looked earlier, it was shocking. Like there's like their fifth place guy was in the twenties. I think it was like oh. Philip, Philip How However you say his name.
1: Wowza. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. Mantha might've been second. He probably was probably him. than Nielsen, maybe anyway, Washington,
1: uh, Alexander the great.
0: No, you forgot. He doesn't get assists anymore. It's John Carlson.
1: Wow. Oh, my God. You're right. Wow. I would have just thought that either way, the goals would have put him above Carlson. But I, I, to be honest, I I didn't even, I should have probably stopped to think about that considering Carlson's start to the year last year. Yeah. Carlson had 75 points, putting up crazy numbers. Yeah. So Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Um, This one, I feel like, is maybe a trick one. And I'm probably wrong, but I don't care. I'm going to guess that. Is it Travis Konechny? It is. Yeah, baby. Let's go. With 61 points, he finished one point ahead of
0: Couturier. Nice. Pittsburgh. Crosby? Ooh, no. You Malcom? forget, Crosby was hurt last year and missed oh, 30 games.
1: you're right. You're Malcom right. Melkin
0: had 74 points.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Carolina! I I believe, as a side note, that feels like so long ago that he was hurt last season. I, I literally, I did not even, it was more than a year ago that he got hurt. Right. Right. Man. Wow. Crazy. Anyway, sorry. Carolina, Carolina. Um, this has got to be either Aho or Sveshnikov. I don't think Hamilton, I mean, he had a good year, but I don't think he would have had enough in time to let's go Ajo. That is correct with 66 points. Nice. All right. Columbus. Hmm. Again, I'm just I'm it, it, I, like PLD just jumps out at me, which by the way, side note, if he actually is asking for a trade, um Sabers should do that. Uh but,
0: um yeah, I'll go sports. Don't you want like a big, tough defenseman, a leader for this uh, for this young team of yours? Not not a young team. What at if all. that's I don't know. what I said? That to,
1: what that see? That's the thing. That I think at the same time, you need to have somebody who is like the buffer between Pagula and whoever's making the decisions in the front office, and just convince him. I don't know if you have actually said this before, but you need a person to convince Terry Pagula that like good players are actually bad players and bad players are actually good players so that they sign the good players thinking that they're the bad ones. Cause that seems to kind of be their type uh, Cody Eakin um, and Rasmus Ristolainen still being on the team. Um, Anyways though, Columbus, I'll go PLD. Was it him? Yep. He had 49
0: points. Okay. The New York Islanders, the New York football
1: Islanders, New York football Islanders. Um, I don't think that the answer to this is Barzal. And I want to say it's either Anders Lee or Josh Bailey. Um, As like a, because Barzal had a little bit of a down year last year. Um, I'm going to get wild. I, I, I don't think this is right, but I think if I am going to make like an out there guess, this is who I feel good about. And is it Josh Bailey? oh it's barzal with 60 really it was barzal wow i just totally talked my way out of that all right well never mind then bailey had to be up there though right didn't he have like he have- oh yeah he had a good year yeah uh the new york hockey rangers the new york hockey rangers was be led by none other than the person who deserved to win the mvp last year temi panarin with 95 points all right st louis Do I want to answer this? Uh, If you want to get it right, you do. Well, knowing what we know about St. Louis, do I want to answer this? I guess so. it's more so what I'm saying. Mm. Is it our dear boy, Ryan?
0: It is. 61 points.
1: Yeah, that's why I didn't want to answer it.
0: Well, you can cheer yourself up here with an easy one. Colorado. Uh,
1: Nathan McKinnon.
0: Yeah, with ninety-three points. He let his team points by quite a bit. Good lord. Uh Dallas.
1: Radic Fosca. No, I'm just joking. Tyler Sagan.
0: Yeah, with 50 points. He was the only guy who had above 40 points last year. Jamie Bennett, 39. That's who made the Stanley Cup. Unreal. Yeah. Winnipeg. Hmm.
1: I can't decide between Wheeler or Shifley. Um, Let's go Wheeler.
0: Incorrect. You're wrong on both counts. It's Kyle Connor.
1: Kyle Kyle Connor's
0: 73 points.
1: Wow. Good for him. I thought about, I was, but I, yeah. Wow. I'm surprised. I didn't think. Well, granted, I mean, he played, isn't he the left winger on their line actually? So that would make that makes sense.
0: sense. Yeah. 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 Nashville.
1: Nashville. Mm. Johansson was hurt for a while. I think Duchesne had a little bit of an underwhelming year. I know Forsberg, I think was hurt for a little bit. Arvidson was out for a while. Um, Hmm. This could be another situation where I'm just like overthinking this and it and it is one of them. Um Oh, I do know this. Roman Yossi. That's correct. The Norris Trophy winner at 65 points. Yeah
0: All right, Minnesota.
1: Minnesota. Um hmm i i want to say kevin fiala but i don't know if it would have if it was him i know i'm trying to think i mean i know they have some good defensemen but dumba had a down year last year i don't think that suitor would have been up there maybe it would um then as far as forward goes, Zuccarello got off to a slow start last year um, and he really didn't like pick it up until more towards the end. Stahl put up like decently respectable numbers, but I don't think it would have been leading the team because he did that a couple years prior. Let's go Kevin Fiala. That's correct with 54 points. All right.
0: All right, Chicago. Kane? Yes, eighty-four yeah. points. Yeah. Vegas.
1: Vegas. Um. It's the thing, they got a few guys who this could be. Um my mind immediately went to Mark Stone, so I'm gonna go Mark Stone. Oh, it's
0: Max Patchier ready.
1: Ah his line mate. Mm. Edmonton. Leon Dreizittle.
0: Yep. Led the entire league in points and won the
1: MVP 110. Right. Calgary. Mm. Johnny Hockey. No,
0: if you remember, he had a down year last he did. year. Yeah, with the Moynihan. No, he did too. It's uh Matthew Kachuk with 61.
1: Oh huge oversight. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot about him. Uh the Vancouver Canucks. JT Miller.
0: That's correct. I thought that'd be a tough one. Oh yeah. One point I had a Pedersen who was a far superior player, but good year for JT. Talk about
1: man. What a great trade that was too for Vancouver. Uh, I mean, when Miller's name was out there, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I, I know I remember I wanted the Sabres to go after him when he became available from the lightning, when it was the beginning of Tampa's potential cap woes that they somehow have seemingly just like totally avoided. Um, well, kind of avoided. Uh, well, kind of, yeah. But man oh man, what a what a pickup. He was he was great last year. I, I like him a lot, Miller. I think he's awesome. He'll be on team USA, I bet. For the Olympics. Arizona. Anyways. Arizona. Um hmm. the thing was is that they weren't that great last year. And I know Clayton Keller had a bit of a down year. I think the same could be said for Schmaltz, too. Kessel wasn't great. So this is actually a point of clarification question. If a person gets traded, are you counting their total from the team that they were with before? Uh, no. Okay, so only their tenure with that team then. Yeah. Okay, so it's not Taylor Hall then. Um, or is it could Ackman, Ackman Larson be up there? No, because he wasn't. Um. Or maybe it could have been. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go with ooh, or I'm gonna go for another out there guess, actually. It is probably one of the guys that I already said, but I'm gonna say Christian Dvorak.
0: No, it's Nick Schmaltz with 45. It was
1: Schmaltz. He dude, that dude just piles up assists. I think he only had what like 10 goals and like or something like that, and then like just 30 something assists. Damn. That's
0: possible. I didn't write that down. Um, Anaheim, another team that, you know, did not have a good year.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> anytime I, <laughs> random side note, anytime that you, we do a quiz, and especially today it's happening where you ask me a question and I don't, or like a team, and I don't know the answer right away. I always, it comes into my head the the roast scene from the office where Daryl is asking Michael, the warehouse employee names. And Michael's like, mm, I'm thinking Roy. And it's like, <laughs> totally not <laughs> the other dude named Michael. I'm thinking Roy. Um, but, ah, uh, God, let's go with um. Ooh, actually talking through my process more here, I wanted to say Gatslav immediately, but I also know that Jacob Silverberg had a pretty nice year last year, too. I believe his name's Jakob. Is it? Oh, my bad. I think. I don't know. That's how they say it on you know
0: on the TV. Sometimes. I
1: know Jakob is a big listener of our of our podcast, so I apologize to him for, for mispronouncing that. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, uh, damn. I'm gonna say GetzLab, but deep down, I feel like it's Jakob. Yeah, it's
0: neither. It's actually Adam Henrik with 43 points. Get
1: the hell out of here. Adam Henrique? huh? Wow, mm-hmm. I forgot about him.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, Los Angeles. Kopitar. That's right, with 62 points. Hmm. Second place was uh, Western New York's own Alex follow
1: I was just about to say he would have been number two, right? Had him on my fantasy team for a little bit last year. San Jose. Oh. Um. Tomas Hurdle? No, Timo Meyer. Timo, I was going to guess him next. Ugh. With 49 points. San Another Jose. round gem from the Eichel year.
0: Man, can you believe – like a team with – I know it was like 10 games shorter than a regular season, but with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Evander Kane, and I guess his technically had late career Joe Thornton. They eventually had Marlowe back.
1: Hurdle they had, Meyer, yeah, dude. They they had had Logan Couture. Couture, yep. Man. Uh, what's his name too? Uh Kevin LeBlanc also who they ended up getting last year on like a crazy cheap deal. And then they just totally ruined it. Nobody hit 50. Nobody. Wow. I can't, damn it. I should have remembered that that, 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 that was Meyer. That's oversight on my part. Is that it? Do we have any more? Nope. You went 22 for 31. So I'll take that. What does that come out to percentage wise?
0: But I'm about to calculate that. Let's see. You got a 71%.
1: So you would have passed the test. I'll take that, baby. Hell yeah. All right. Sounds hey, good. Shooting 70% from the field. That'll get you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> I heard Cody Eakin shot 70% two years ago.
0: <laughs> Something he had, like that. He had nine goals. So <laughs> we didn't do our recommendations the past two episodes. You know, we've been busy with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any recommendations for the uh, the music scene?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Should we go? Should I go more of like a historical or more of a modern?
0: Oh, it's whatever you want. It's whatever you're feeling for this. Well, I this guess weekend.
1: I was asking more what you would be more interested to hear: a modern or a, a more? I guess, like, do we want to go like the past ten years or anything before that?
0: I think you can. You can
1: do whatever you think people should listen to. you're a real bastard you know i know all right right, you know what screw it i'm gonna No. why don't you you tell tell me something that came out recently then no i'm not i'm now i'm I'm gonna do it the other way around okay (laughs) 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 i'm gonna do uh an album that i have been I, i somehow a huge oversight on my part that i had gone this long 26 years on this earth well i mean granted like actually like 22 since it came out without listening to this album all the way through, because I finally did it last week for the first time, listened all the way through. And by the time the last song ended, I was firmly convinced that I listened to one of like the 20 best albums of all time. And that would be the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, A, I mean, like I only knew, I knew the hits, like the singles from that album, but Man, oh man! Listening to that all the way through, like it is a crime that she—I know she had a a, obviously a really cool career with like the Fujis before this, but like it is a crime that she has not put out a second studio album. She only has one studio album, and it is one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. Not even like one of the best like R and B or rap albums, but like in reality, like it is also one of those two. But like just overall fantastic album from top to bottom anybody who's into like neo soul r&b rap um it it, it just like blew me away you know like you'll know the hits when you hear them but like if you have not taken the time to sit down and fully listen to that album top to bottom you will not regret it because lauren hill is amazing and like shot up like listening to that all the way and like that complete work, she shot up my my favorite rappers of all time and best rappers of all time list for sure. So that is my recommendation for this episode. What do you got? I'm so, the. So
0: hold on a second. What you're telling me is you watched, you listen to one of the most historic albums, one of the, one of the most respected and legendary albums in music history mm-hmm. for the first time this week. I know. And then you were like,
1: "What should I do? What should I say? What should I recommend?" Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was just trying to like, I was thinking because I feel like the past couple, I think I've had a mix between some more like, or no, I've done modern stuff. I think mostly, but I don't know. I was, I wasn't sure if if I was trying to do something that's like a a cool pick, trendy pick for people who maybe like something that they haven't heard before, or if I should do that. Which I think now I got to just get in the habit of like not being afraid of picking like classics because initially when we started this, I was like, well, I should probably do stuff that maybe people haven't listened to, but. I guess in retrospect, yeah, I probably should have just immediately said that. Yeah, I listened to it last week. It was awesome, and I have not been able to stop listening to it to stop listening to it for the past week. So that is mine. Miss Education of Lauren Hill, amazing. What do you got for yours on the TV movie side?
0: All right, so I uh, since I have brain damage uh, from watching the Sabers <laughs> for twenty two ish three years, not the four. I don't uh, I don't remember drinking any of those because of the savers <laughs> so I I don't remember if I already recommended I'm thinking of ending things Netflix movie that premiered this year mm-hmm. but based on your reaction I don't think I have so I might have mentioned it before but anyway it came out this past summer on Netflix it's a Charles Kaufman film you might remember him from uh being John Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or The Doe New York so he hadn't come out with a movie in eleven years, and he came out with one. On Netflix. It starts uh, stars Jesse Plemons, uh, who I think is one of the best actors I- in America. Uh, he he I, he's been compared to like a, a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, which I think is kind of fitting in some ways. Okay. okay. Uh, so the reason I'm shouting it out now, even though it came out in the summer, it's it takes place in the winter because and snow is a big part of the plot. Uh, and it's cold now, and it's snowing. When there's ice on the ground, it's January in Western New York. This probably isn't going to change for the snow part for like two months and the cold part for like four plus months. So, you know, better get used to that. So it's uh, it has you know, basically a great cast all around. It has Tony Collette in it, um, who is one of my favorite actresses, is in a, a movie I love at least once a year, It seemingly, for the last, the last three years at least. Uh, I should say that Jesse Buckley stars uh, a part across from – Jessie Plemons. She might even you might even say she's the real star of the movie. She's incredible. Their whole back and forth is incredible. Um, the movie, without giving too much away, is one of the most unique movies I've ever seen. Uh, it's one of the most confusing, no doubt. It's definitely a movie that I read. My process was I watched it once, tried it uh, as best as I could to understand it, read an article about it, and then watched it again, which normally... I don't like when people say you got to watch it twice because movies should have uh, some kind of value on its first watch. You don't have to understand it completely, and movies can get better with more watches. I think that's good, mm-hmm. but people don't want to be told to watch a two-plus-hour movie twice. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> okay, it's, okay, it's good. It's it's fantastic movie, and you get so much more on the second watch. I thought it was so confusing. I do recommend reading a little, at least a little bit about it after the first watch but there's so much gives you so much to think about so much to decide on your own and uh you know i thought it was great very nice i like that and there's snow so it's hockey adjacent
1: there you go see look at you tying it back in nicely done (laughs) who do you have for your random sabers player of the episode wow
0: you know who just came to mind who dave andertruck i don't know
1: why okay i like that i like that I'm going to go with uh, a fellow throwback. Uh, Tony McKegney. Oh, Big wow.
0: Big, hey, a long from throwback. the
1: depths of Sabres history. Wow. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, the show has been presented by the hockey podcast network and Buffalo fanatics. The hockey podcast network is your one stop shop for all things. NHL featuring shows from all 31 teams in the NHL. And with the season kicking off, Uh, today, which is when we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, you'll be listening to this on Thursday, but with the season kicking off, there's no better place to get all of your hockey news. Uh, it's customized team to team. Every team has their own show. So if the Sabres, you know, have one of our opponents coming up, you know, make sure you go check out our, our brother sister pods, uh, within the division. And also if you're just interested in the rest of the league, make sure you're checking everybody out. There's also a ton of other great shows that are hockey based, but not specifically about teams. So make sure you're checking those out. Follow us, uh, follow the hockey podcast network at hockey pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I don't know if we're actually on Facebook, uh, the hockey podcast network, but on Twitter and Instagram, check it out online at the hockey podcast Also, we are presented by Buffalo Fanatics. As we all know, we are approaching a huge divisional uh, AFC divisional round matchup against the Baltimore Ravens this coming Saturday with a ticket to the AFC championship game on the line. Very exciting stuff happening in the world of Bills football, and Buffalo Fanatics is the premier place to get your coverage of the Bills. Um, even though we have the divisional game coming up this week, whether they win or lose, we're going to still be talking about the bills for a long time. So you might as well get used to it. Go check out Buffalo fanatics. Great coverage there. You don't want to miss it. Um, also make sure you're following us on social media. If you don't already, make sure you're following us on Facebook and on Instagram at straight up sabers on Twitter. Our name is straight up sabers, but our handle is at straight sabers. So make sure you're checking us out. We appreciate it. Uh, as we're continuing to you know, grow the show and move into our second season. We're both very appreciative of everybody who has listened and who has been a supporter of us. Really appreciate it. And thank you all so much for the support. We're uh, We're very excited to either get surprisingly excited or unsurprisingly angry with you for the next few months. So let's buckle in, and we're going to have a great year this year, no matter what happens. So thank you all again very much. As always, this has been Straight Up Sabres. We'll see you next time.